Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right, everybody. So excited to be with you here today. Um, this is episode nine of the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Really excited about this um, because today we are going to dive into ArtNet and SACN and really networkable DMX as a whole and, and talk about how you can use them. So if you're, if you're just joining us for the first time today, um, like the intro said, this is the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast where we talk about the basics of stage lighting. And as we go along, we're getting more and more advanced. And in fact, I don't want you to be scared away um, if this topic, if you say, whoa, whoa, network, ArtNet, SACN, what, David? You know, I don't want you to get scared away and think this is too complex, all right? Because there, there's a few um, goals that I have for today's podcast and a few things in today's episode. The first is that we're not going to go into the trenches technically, okay? I've actually got a really good video um, that I made about a year ago on YouTube. It's gotten a lot of views that kind of explains the basics of ArtNet and SCCN, but through a technical lens. And today we're going to um, examine ArtNet and SACN through a more, um, through a less technical and through more application focused and, and like, how does this apply to you and your lighting? Um, and so let's dive in. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is, is the, the reason we have networked um, and networkable DMX is because you know, if you've been watching this podcast, if you've been listening to it as we've gone through, um, or if you've been around lighting for a while, you know that when you hit 512 channels of data in a given DMX universe, you're out of space and you need to start a new DMX universe. And so when you start to do bigger shows, or even if you're just working with, with more modern gear, you know, a lot of these LED units, especially um, some moving head LEDs that can do some eye candy effects, they can easily eat up 50 or 100 or more channels of DMX. And, you know, when you're eating up, when you're eating up 100 channels of DMX with one fixture, you know, it, it doesn't take um, a mathematician to figure out that your 500 channels are going to get eaten up real fast in like five fixtures. And so that is why we have networkable DMX. So that instead of having a huge thick trunk of cables, um, going from your console to, to wherever your lights are, um, you can just run one ethernet cable with a spare. And of course a spare that's not run. Um, that's, that's my, uh, my, um, show control, uh, factoid of the day, which is, you know, Hey, always remember to have a spare and uh, definitely if you're on a remote location or somewhere where you can't get to another spare real quickly um that you have a spare that you don't run in case uh, something would happen to your cables but off my soapbox um so when you do have a lot of dmx cable you you can run it over a network and you can run a whole lot of dmx cable data rather over one cable and that's through protocols called artnet or sacn those are the popular ones and also a lot of the popular consoles all have what I like to call console nets. Okay. So you're going to see, you know, Martin has its max net. Um, oh, sorry. Elation has its max net. Um, that's exciting. We don't usually cover lighting news here, but, um, we'll, 
we'll mention that um, here that um, the M series controllers that that I enjoy, I like, and I've worked with, and I do webinars for and, and promote um, and use. Um, they got acquired by Elation. Um, they were sold by Harman Professional, um, formerly Martin, and uh, it, good things in store for that team. So, but as I was saying, uh, you know, you may have MaxNet out of a Martin, HogNet out of a Hog, MANet out of a Grand MA console. Um, you know, Jans Vista, I don't know, they probably just call it, um, you know, networking. But um, regardless, you can have, you know, these these op more open standards like ArtNet or SACN, or you can do it within um, your, your console family. But however you do it, you can run tons of universes of DMX data over a single network with these protocols. And so the way this generally works is you've got your console okay and it's going to output from its network card um it may be a separate network card just for the um the artnet or sacn that's separate from a network that you would use for um, controlling your console remotely or it may all be on the same network then in the simplest system you simply have a network cable that then goes to a node which you know on a technical basis a node just really means a computer in a network okay but in the lighting world the, it tends to get used that when we talk about a node we're talking about a box um, that takes your artnet or sacn in and then outputs dmx okay and so that's that's generally how we refer to nodes um however it could also be that, that you run artnet or sacn out of your console um and you run it straight to you know some sort of um light maybe a media server maybe um some leds that are pixel mapped um etc and so you know the, the the varieties are endless and 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 the cool thing about this is because it's over a network because it's using um standard networking um technology if you need to go to multiple fixtures to multiple devices that's easy to do with a simple network switch okay and this is literally just the same kind of networks which you use to network computers okay and so um networking can can really get infinitely complex from there i don't want to go in the weeds on that but how does this affect you well the first as we've kind of covered already is that you don't have to run bunches of dmx lines back to stage when you're working with multiple dmx universes in fact I'm gonna pull out this example a few times today because I just talked to this guy um, on the phone yesterday. I had recommended a particular node um, to somebody I know um, a few months ago for a project they had coming up. And they called me yesterday because um, they were having just a little configuration issue that we worked through. And But they're running 16 universes out of their Jans Vista um, in a church to um, their stage and to their house lights. And so they're just running one ethernet cable out of the console you know under the floor or however it gets there to the stage at which point it's distributed through a node actually an ntech uh, storm 24 and so and so they would have had 16 different lines of dmx um headed to the stage and and then they would have had you know optical splitters a uh, dmx splitters in there to split these various dmx lines um to different lighting positions etc but because of artnet or sacn they were able to just come in by one ntech storm 24 okay with 24 outputs on it and now they can just go to their their patch bay or even on their computer and say okay you know here's port um 
port three and I want to send universe 10 to it. And they can just patch that either with the physical cable or do it from inside the storm's interface. And, and they don't even need DMX splitters in their system because they have plenty of universes and they've got 16 and the storm can do 24 ports. So that means they're going to be able to patch if they want universe two in two different places, they can just patch it to two different ports on the storm and be good to go and be happy and cheery and, and rainbows and unicorns. And so, um, another, another cool application, um, is, you know, w when you're loading in a show and I do this a lot, um, you know, you're working with stage hands, you know, I work with stage labor, but you may just be working with volunteers, friends, yourself, you know, there, there's times where you go, okay, you know, I got to get DMX universe two out to this truss or to this lighting position and three over there and four over there. And you're having people help you run the cables or you're running them yourself. And you're like, Oh, which cable was this? Where did this, you know, you get back to, um, your, your dimmer rack or your, your lighting, um, control world. And you go, okay, which, you know, you label them, you try to read your, your scrawny labels that you did poorly. Um, hopefully you print them out. I usually do that, but, but sometimes I don't, um, you're like, okay, so this, this cable goes to universe two and oh, now I got to go get a splitter and this one goes to three and this one goes to four and this one goes to four twos. Okay. Let's go get a splitter. And, and it kind of works like that. Whereas if you're using ArtNet or SCCN to distribute, um, you're using that networked DMX to distribute your signal. You can now go ahead and say, okay, we're just going to plug all the cables that, that come from the lighting positions, all the ethernet cables. We're going to go ahead. We plug those into our switch here. Um, at our dimmer world. Okay. So we plug them into the switch. All right. So now everything's plugged into the switch. The console's plugged into the switch. And now when you're out at your truss, you just, you know, you look at your plot or wherever you are, you say, okay, you know, this one gets, gets a node that's set up for universe two. This one gets a node that's set up for universe three. This one gets a node that's set up for universe four. Um, you don't even have to take it that far because you know, with a lot of nodes, I know I uh, use the Entech ones a lot. Um, you can just load their node manager software on your computer and, and then find all your nodes, you know, run a little test signal on them, see what, what trust they're on. And then, and then just literally you could drop your nodes completely unconfigured and then find them all on the computer and, and configure them to wherever they landed. Um, the other application note that I have, and this, this one is, is really exciting. Um, is the no nodes application. What, um, where, you know, you're either using these newer fixtures that kind of have some pixel mapping or just use a lot of channels. And some of those will take ArtNet or SACN in directly. Okay. And so, and so this is really cool, right? Because you can now go ahead and literally just come out of that network switch into your fixtures. And some of these fixtures are going to kind of have a built-in node where they can convert it out to DMX and then spit it down the line to other fixtures as regular DMX. Um, other times, you know, maybe in the future, you literally won't need nodes that output to straight DMX because all your fixtures take ArtNet or SACN. And you say, what, you know, that, that sounds, that sounds crazy right now. If you, if you do a lot of shows, if you work with a lot of DMX, but I don't think, I don't think it's totally, um, out of line. I don't, I don't think it's crazy. And so, these are just um, some kind of application notes to think of as, as you're thinking, you know, how does this apply to me? And if, and if you only use one or two universes of DMX and, and you're not working with gear that, you know, takes in ArtNet or SACN natively, 
um, you know, like NTX pixel port or some other kind of pixel driver or a media server, um, then, you know, this, this may not apply to you. But when, when we are going ahead, just for a brief little, not a tutorial, but kind of an overview, when we are going ahead and, and setting these things up, you know, here, here's some things that you need to know. Um, it's good to have a basic background in computer networking. If you can get, you know, pick up a book on the basics of computer networking or something like that. Um, I'll go find one and link to one in the show notes, actually. So there's something there. Actually, I'm going to link to um, John Huntington's excellent, excellent book, which is called, um, I believe the current edition is called Show Networks and Control Systems. And it is an excellent, excellent book. It goes really deep. But if you don't want to go deep, you don't have to. You can read just the basics as well on these protocols and how they work but but what you're going to do is you know everything in a computer network has an ip address if you have a router in your system the router is going to assign those ip addresses through a process called dhcp if all your gear supports that um some older gear is not gonna or cheaper gear is not gonna support that okay so you know like i really like i like ntex nodes and all the ones they sell now i believe um you know that you can buy new have dhcp um you know an inexpensive node that i've mentioned lately that i've used is the shave dmx AN. it's really inexpensive but it doesn't support that dhcp and so when you either don't have a router in your system if you just have a network switch or if you have items that don't support dhcp then you're gonna have to set some manual ip addresses and so that's that's called static IP addresses generally and you just literally go in there and you define you know the IP address which is generally something like you may have seen it on your computer or your phone like 192.168.0.53 and you know there, there there's a lot I could go into the weeds on here but I don't I don't want to do that because I don't want to get um, too crazy technical here but you set your IP address and then you set what's called a subnet mask and that's basically a filter that says okay you know only listen to traffic that's sent to these no to, to these numbers and so um for example a, two a subnet mask that's really popular is 255.255.255.0 and that means okay you know the first three numbers are going to match um and then just listen to changes to things that are from that first three numbers and then see what that last number is. I mean, I'm, I'm probably doing a poor job explaining this because I'm not a network designer, but you set those guys and then you want to go ahead and, and set, of course, your device to ARTNET or SACN. And, and then you're, you're, you're really good to go at that point. You want to make sure um, all of your fixtures or controllers are in the same um, IP address block. So they're all, you know, 192.168.0. something or Sometimes, um, especially for ArtNet, you use 2.0.0. something, etc. And so there, there's a lot of options there. And like I said, I, I don't want to go into the weeds here. I want to keep it fairly simple. But um, so then once you set that IP address, once you've got that set up, you then go ahead, connect everything. Um, the simplest way is to do just with a network switch. But again, if you have a router in the mix, um, which uh, I should note is different from, you know, in home networking, you often have a router which um, does the routing of the signals, but also is a switch built into it. Um, but the, in in uh, professional networking, it, it's, it's different. They, they're different pieces. Um, you, you go ahead and, you know, you plug all your stuff into the switch and then, you know, whatever universes 
you've set to output on your console, get output, and then all of the different nodes, whether they're fixtures um, that you've set the IP address to, whether they're DMX nodes that convert the signal to DMX, they're all listening. And when they see data that's for them, that you know meets their criteria, is in their universe or universes, then they grab that data and they output it. And so it's, it's it really is um, that simple. And, and I say that a little bit tongue in cheek because the truth is, you know, networking DMX, it's it's not simple. It's it's not. But it is something that is the future. It is coming quickly. And it's something that we're seeing more and more it used to be something that just professionals were using. You know, now, you know, a lot of people in the church world are using it um, and, and it's working its way down. And and, you know, even people at a fairly entry level in the lighting world, I now see are using um, networking in their lighting. OK, like Shave came out with that DMXAN, you know, Entex got their ODE which is really popular to use with iPad software that runs DMX uh, controller lights, etc. And so this, this is, you know, even if it doesn't seem, if you say, oh, well, well, I don't have a need for this. You know, if you're sticking around with lighting over the next few years, it, it is probably going to work its way into your world. And so, and so I just want to give a brief overview today. This is um, all I'm going to talk about our or SACN. But um, there's going to be more info in the show notes, um, as well as I've got some material that I'm working on. I'm a course inside of Lauren Stage Lighting Labs called uh, Networking for the Lighting Person that just, you know, really is going to be something that goes into more depth on this. So the, the practical of how do you do this and step by step guides. And so I'll be featuring that in the show notes as well uh, when it's completed. If you're listening to this um, later on, um, go check out the show notes because uh, it's likely there's a link there with more in information. So with that, guys, let's hit our mailbag. All right, this is the part of the show where we answer your questions mostly off the cuff. I read them quickly as I copy and paste them into my uh, my show notes that I that I work from when I record these podcasts. But for the most part, they're pretty much off the cuff. And so um, I'm just looking at them here for the first or second time, really reading them through for the first time and answering them for you. Now, these questions um, are people who either reply to my emails or um, the best way to to get these on the show to answer is to go to learnstagelighting.com slash contact or um, there's a link on the navigation bar under the about page and uh, fill out that contact form. Then it highlights it in my inbox as, hey, this is a question that um, you can answer on your podcast uh, or via email. So um, I do answer uh, these questions for you guys. And um, if you do need more detail, more step-by-step um, -step tutorials and hands-on uh, personalized teaching, um, do go ahead and check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs, which is a membership that I offer, a uh, monthly, quarterly, or yearly um, service that you can sign up for, get access to all that stuff and more. And so Igor writes in and um, says, hello, thank you for the effort to uh, introduce different lighting consoles. Um, he has a question. What lighting software do I find best in terms of BPM syncing? So that's beats per minute, of course, and we're talking music here. He uses Ableton for music playback and D-Pro uh, by Entech. It has perfect BPM syncing, but he's not satisfied with the poor effects engine um, uh, overall. And so other software products like Hog and MPC um, seems like they don't have this method of BPM bounding. What could you recommend, Igor? So 
Igor, I'm going to go off on a slight little tangent and then and then come back and answer your question in full. And th this all goes together. So how do lighting console um, manufacturers make money? Because ultimately, um, if a feature is going to get put into their consoles, like they have to make money from it because building a stable piece of software like this is actually really hard. Um, I don't know how to do it. I'm not a programmer, but you know, I work with, with these manufacturers and I have, I, I'm so blessed that I get to talk with these people and, and work with them and talk to them and, and, um, you know, get to know them. And, and the more I learn about software creation, the more I go, oh my goodness, this is so difficult and so complex and adding any feature and making it a smooth part of the user experience and um, reliable and making it so it doesn't crash is, is really difficult. And so, um, and so most of these software products like Hog, MPC, GrandMA, Jans Vista, um, they all make their money by selling consoles, right? By selling hardware, okay? They give you the software, um, generally a limited amount of output for free, um, then you can buy more output for a small price, and then for thousands of dollars, you can buy a console. And when they sell consoles, that's that's where they really make the money that funds actually making the software. And so these lighting console manufacturers, you know, the big ones like you've mentioned there, Hog and MPC, they have the best software, you know, in GrandMA and, and Vista. They all have the best software because they have the be the most money to develop it. However, they cater to professional lighting designers as their users. And so as somebody who, who has found themselves in the position where, where I teach people on the entry level, you know, of lighting, this is something that I, that I get a lot of kickback for that people say, well, why can't they just include this feature? It's so simple. And, and the reason why they, they may not have gotten around to that feature is because it's not a priority because it doesn't sell consoles to their professional users, or at least not a lot of them. And so, and so I'm not saying this to, to rag on anybody or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just presenting, you know, kind of how this is that, you know, a program like D pro or DMX's, which D pro is kind of based on by NTEC, um, which are coded by, um, I believe a Scottish guy, um, named Dave, um, you know, they're a smaller piece of software. Like it's not, you know, you found it's not as smooth or as well developed a piece of software as these professional consoles, but it does what it's designed to do. Like D pro is kind of designed as a, as an intermediate level lighting console, meaning it's not the most basic thing, but it doesn't have the complication of an advanced console. And it kind of has a, a niche focus towards musicians and audio people a little bit. And I think that's because the guy who writes it is, is, is that kind of person. And they first wrote DMX's, which is totally geared towards musicians. And I know from looking at Deepro that definitely probably a lot of the code from DMX is, was what started Deepro. I don't know that for sure. And that might not be the case, but it feels that way. If not the code, it's just because, um, it was inspired by. And so, and so that's why, you know, a program like Deepro has that, that music syncing. Um, whereas, you know, these, these other software products that are geared toward professional users, uh, lighting designers and programmers, you know, in, in those situations, you have somebody running the lights, you have somebody, you know, actually alive running those on the fly, or you're pre-programmed in some BPMs, um, 
and, and they just modify them if, if the musicians modify it a little. And so like that feature isn't really needed by a lot of professional users with the way that our business generally works. And so that's why you're not going to see that in a lot of these consoles. You know, would it be cool? Yeah, it would totally be cool. And I think it's awesome. Um, but getting the BPM in the effects engine in these consoles is is unfortunately, you know, not something that um, is I think is going to be high on the priority list. Uh, I really hope, you know, more consoles do embrace that. I think it's a great idea. But, you know, just looking at the practicalities of it, that, you know, these consoles, they take a lot of money to make the software. It's really complex. And there's, you know, whole development teams that are paid salaries and marketing and building the hardware. And that's all funded by selling these consoles. And so um, the end of the, the day, um, take a look at Chave Show Express. It might be able to do this as well. But I'm not aware of any professional grade software that also can sync actual BPM values from something like Ableton. Um, if somebody knows something different, you know, send me an email. I'm always looking and I'm always paying attention and and trying to, to figure this out. Um, you may want to look at some of these new softwares um, like Pioneer's Record Box or um, Serato DJ's, um, I forget what it's called right now, um, Sound Switch. Um, because those ones are, are built for DJs from the ground up. And so that those are the kind of softwares, the ones that are built for DJs or musicians to run lights are, are the kind of pieces of software where you're going to find this functionality. Awesome. Now, Shaw writes in um, and says, hi there. The Chinese are flooding the market with theater market, theater lighting that are very affordable compared to the U.S. and European companies. Do I have an opinion about it? He asks, do I have an opinion about it? And would you know of any site that would have reviews about it? All right. Oh boy, do I have an opinion. So let's start with a few um, kind of fundamentals, a few basics before I, I jump on my soapbox. Most of the fixtures that you buy, especially at the entry level, um, at the affordable end, are going to be built in China, right? You know, just like the computer you buy, even if it's a top of the line Mac or Dell or whatever, you know, all these things are made in China. They're all manufactured there, right? And so, you know, but you can also go ahead, like with a computer, you can go out there online. You, there's websites you can go to where you can buy literally a Chinese brand computer, you know, something with Chinese letters on it. And maybe you can get a United States keyboard on it. Or maybe you'll have to plug one in, you know, and you can literally get a Chinese computer, you know, and, and buy it and have it shipped to you. And, and it's cheaper. It's a good bit cheaper than buying, you know, the, the Dell or the, the Mac. Actually, the Dell's a better, kind of a better um, analogy because Macs, of course, run, you know, Mac OS, that other computer's not going to run. But even if we're just in the Windows realm. And so lighting's kind of the same way, right? Because these big, big brands, you know, with their entry-level stuff, again, their more expensive stuff may be assembled fully or partially in the U.S., but their entry-level stuff is going to be fully manufactured in China, a lot of it, okay? And so, you know, what's the difference between that and buying some lights, you know, from Amazon that are $20 from some brand you've never heard of or buying them from some other brand on the internet, etc.? Well, there, there's a few things that are going on. One is warranty, okay? So when you buy from a China manufacturer, from somebody who's got no name, no presence in the U.S., etc., you might as well just assume that even if they say there's a warranty, just assume it doesn't exist, okay? 
because because one u.s law can't touch them if they don't have a u.s presence you know then it doesn't matter if they honor their warrants here or not um to you a united states citizen if you're in the u.s or wherever you're in whatever country because the law the the united states government you know you can't sue them like they don't have a presence in the u.s even if something and that's expensive anyways but if something were to go wrong don't expect your warranty to be valid or to do anything i've heard some real horror stories about this you know the second thing is quality control okay and this is in two parts the first is that the manufacturers that are that are the big names and even some of the smaller names you know that are importing these fixtures they get these fixtures certified, okay? They're UL certified, they're CE certified. You know, they carry certifications that basically say, this is a safe fixture, it's not gonna catch on fire, it's not gonna burn your house or your church or your venue down, um, and you know, it's built to safety standards. And that's really important, like I said, because you don't wanna burn down your house or your church or wherever, or even if you don't burn down the place, I've heard multiple horror stories of people um, frying consoles, frying their DMX output ports when they hook up a cheap fixture and something malfunctions because it's a bad design. The other thing I've seen is sometimes, you know, three months, six months, a year down the road, you know, say we're working with an LED fixture or a moving head, some of the parts and pieces just start to break. You know, I, I know one guy here um, locally, you know, this company had bought a bunch of really cheap LED parts and six months into their life, you know, all the blues started going out on them. And it, it just was what it was. Like, they couldn't do anything about it. You know, even if they were, claimed to have a warranty, they could reach out to whoever they bought them from and they'd just get the cold shoulder, you know? So um, the other thing you're gonna see is literally quality control. So not just the UL, not just these safety listings, but also the fact that, you know, you're gonna see enormous variation in not only you know the physical unit like sometimes you might buy some new ones and they might look actually look different but the light output is going to vary drastically especially as time goes on and you burn those leds for a while um you're going to see some drastic differences in colors that you generally don't see when you're buying something even an entry-level product from somebody like elation or chave or american dj or blizzard okay you know i like all those companies because what they're doing is they're going to China, okay? They're building entry-level products, they're importing them, but the difference is, like I said, you get a warranty. With most of these companies, you're gonna get two years on most of those products, some, some products more, some products less. You get the quality control. So if you buy one today and you buy one in a few months, you're gonna get the same light and it's gonna match generally. You know, it's gonna be pretty close. Support. If you buy a Chinese light and you need either to buy parts or you just have a question or you're trying to discern the manual, um, the manuals in some of these Chinese lights are completely, completely unreadable. Um, you know, you can call a support line with a US based company or even a European based company. And you call that support line and there's someone who actually knows about the product who can help you in, in English or whatever language uh, you may speak, because I don't know if you're from uh looks like you are from america looking at your email so um and so those are just some some things to think about you know i've seen a lot of people go out and buy cheap chinese lights people who have imported them 
And there are people out there on the internet, there's a few of them, who absolutely swear by it. You know, this is the best decision I've ever made, and et cetera, and et cetera. But for every person I see who, who is really happy with it, I see a lot of people who are writing in forums, who are reaching out to me, who are, you know, commenting other places who are saying, I bought these things and now six months down the line, I have all these issues. Now they don't work and I can't fix them. Now they're just going crazy. Now they find my console and, and you know, I see considerably more complaints compared to people that are happy. And so, you know, yes, it's going to cost some more too to buy something from, you know, an affordable brand like Chave, like Elation, like ADJ, like Blizzard. But, you know, these guys have done the hard work in, in vetting out these manufacturers overseas in getting those safety certifications and providing that support. And so, you know, along the lifetime of a fixture, along, you know, say you're buying an LED fixture and you want to use it for five years. And for the record, you know, I've seen a lot of LED fixtures, even inexpensive ones, that people have used for a whole lot longer than that now. Um, there's people still kicking around Comar Par Lights, you know, 12, 15 years later. Same with Color Kinetics. Um, uh, what are those called? Um, oh my goodness. Uh, color whatever is the little single ones, the 12 inch um, Color Blast. That's the one. You know, there's people still using those, and those are like 15, 20 years old now. Maybe not 20. But, but, uh, and so when you think about the longevity of it, you know, you may buy something with no warranty that in three years is completely unusable. Um, it may be completely unusable the day you get it. Whereas when you buy something from one of these companies, you know, it's going to carry that two or three year warranty. But after that warranty period, if you don't abuse it, you know, like any other light, you're going to get a lot more life out of it. And so I do have an opinion, Sean. It, it may not have been the one that you want to hear, but it is the truth. You know, everybody, you know, uh, all the manufacturers are bringing in at least some of their products from China. You know, the nicer lights obviously are, are going to be built elsewhere, but but a lot of people are building them in China, especially the stuff on the affordable end. And the difference between that and going out and buying direct from a Chinese manufacturer is, is really huge. And you really do get what you pay for. And I think, you know, especially in the amount of hair pulled out of your head and frustration involved with buying that cheap stuff, um, buying an entry level product from one of these entry level companies, you know, is, is going to be cheaper for you in the long run over a few years because of, of the various things we talked about. So guys, that's about it for today's show. Um, thank you guys for writing in. Show notes are available at learnstagelighting.com slash zero zero nine. And uh, if you have enjoyed today's show, I know I'm getting a lot of feedback. I'm hearing from people, uh, both a few people I know in real life and people that I interact with online that you guys are really loving the show. So if you love this show, share it with a friend and, and do um, leave a review, a rating and review wherever you get your podcast. Links to all that will be in the show notes, learnstagelighting.com slash zero zero nine. And make sure that you have a great day. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks.